Good morning and welcome to Blueprint for Wealth. I'm Wayne Zell, your host of this very fast-paced half hour of topics dealing with estate and tax and business planning ideas that are designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom. The show is brought to you by Zell Law, an estate and business planning law firm located in Reston, Virginia, and serving the entire Washington, D.C. metro area with clients all across the country. If you'd like to know more about Zell Law, please visit us on the web at www.zellaw.com. Or if you'd like to make an appointment with one of our attorneys, please call us at 571-203-9355. Today's first segment, I'm going to talk about our furry friends. And I've talked about pet trusts in the past, so if you want to know more about how to set up a pet trust visit one of our archived shows on zellaw.com or federalnewsradio.com. But today I'm going to pull uh, some content from an article that was written by Robert Margolis in Private Wealth Magazine, which I thought was really, really interesting. Did you know that some of our wealthiest people in the United States are leaving huge, huge chunks of cash to their pets, not their kids, to the chagrin and often disdain of the human relatives. Listen to this. She had a $15,000 Cartier diamond necklace, a $12,000 summer wardrobe, an Escalade and a driver, and a full-time nanny, a room, and bath of her own. Leisurely lunches at the Shore Club, manicures, pedicures, a publicist, everything a party girl could ever want. And now Conchita the Chihuahua, lives in Gail Posner's $8.3 million seven-bedroom, eight-bath mansion on a Miami Beach island with her sisters April Maria the Maltese and Lucia the Yorkshire, Yorkshire the Terrier. After Posner, daughter of corporate raider Victor Posner, died in March and left the bulk of her estate to her pets, the dogs share the space with Posner's service crew maids, bodyguards, a personal trainer who inherited millions of dollars, and use of the home in exchange for caring for the pets. In good times and in bad, Americans love their 77 million cat dogs, 90 million cats, and assorted other domesticated creatures. And while the wealthy might be a tad more cautious with a dollar these days, When it comes to making Fido, who's sitting in the lap of luxury, both during and after the life of his or her owner, it seems that money is no object. The last thing I want is for my cats and dogs to be sent to a shelter, says Barbara Munro, a 74-year-old Sands Point, New York resident, who set aside a $50,000 trust for her pet cats and dogs. And we at Zell Law have set up trusts of significant amounts for our clients, cats and dogs. Usually this comes into being when we're dealing with a situation where the, the couple, a married couple or a single individual, really has no surviving issue, no, no children or grandchildren, and also uh, really doesn't have any close relatives. But in this case, um, there were close relatives. And so uh, Mrs. Monroe continues, Even though I have four kids, what happens if their children are allergic or move to a place where pets are not allowed? I hope the money set aside might sweeten the pot a little so that I can find a person who will be there for my pets. 
Now, pet trusts, as I've explained in the past, are not new, but Posner's will and other cases of furry beneficiaries do raise some issues in some of these cases where the nation's wealthiest folks view their pets as members of their family and therefore deserve special estate planning treatment. Dusty Springfield, who recently died, a very famous singer, for example, had a will that made extensive provisions for her cat, Nicholas. The will instructed that Nicholas's bed had to be lined with Dusty's nightgown and that Dusty's recordings be played each night at Nicholas's bedtime and that Nicholas be fed imported baby food. In another example of puppy love, Doris Duke, the sole heir to Baron Buck Duke, who built and basically endowed Duke University and started the American Tobacco Company, left $100,000 in trust for the benefit of her dog. Now, as a little aside, what could this money be used for that might actually help society and may help some of the disenfranchised pets? Really, the animals don't need this luxury. And I guess it's everyone's choice to make during their lifetime and after their lives are over what they want to do with their assets. In any event, pet trusts have existed in Europe for centuries, and it's taken really until 1990 for the United States uh, states to adopt uh, pet trust statutes all across the country. And as we've talked about before, 44 states, including Virginia, D.C., and Maryland, have pet trust statutes. And for those states that don't have pet trust statutes, like West Virginia, um, there are ways around that problem. So how do you set up a trust that's for your pet that will withstand a legal challenge. Francis Carlyle, who's vice chairman of the American Bar Association's Animal Law Committee, strongly suggests staying within reason. In other words, in, in, in Mr. Carlyle's case, he doesn't allow clients to overfund over uh, the trust, which would open up the trust to a potential challenge. In other words, leaving $12 million in trust could be a problem. Just don't go crazy, Carlisle suggests. But that's apparently hard advice for some of our wealthy benefactors to follow when they're crazy about their pets. Look at Leona Helmsley, who was the New York Hotel Queen, who died in 2007 and set up perhaps the most famous or maybe infamous pet trust of all time. She left $12 million to trouble her pet Maltese. The will set off legal battles and death threats against the dog who would have inherited more than any human member of her family. A judge later reduced the dog's cut to $2 million, ruling that the amount would more than adequately cover the cost of Trouble's care for the rest of his natural life. The case was so volatile and so problematic that Trouble had to be moved to a secret location under an assumed name. The pet security costs, they ranged between $100,000 and $200,000 a year. The original amount was insane. That was the biggest problem with Helmsley and potentially the Posner case in Florida. U.S. pet trust case law is still evolving, but you can be sure that any kind of gift that leaves that much money to a pet in a trust 12 million or 5 million or even 2 million dollars is sure to receive some form of challenge 
by the heirs or the natural heirs of the family. It's all fairly new. Most of the people who've set up these trusts haven't died yet. So there are not many cases in the law to set as precedent. Posner's son and only living child, his name, Brett Carr, and he's filed a suit challenging Ms. Posner's will, claiming that his mother's servers and confidants brainwashed her into changing her will two years ago. While they got $27 million for watching her little dog, Brett inherited just $1 million. Now, it's an extreme case that probably is distinguishable from most other cases. And certainly, if you have a dedicated and honest trustee, it certainly will help in sustaining a challenge by the family members, who, particularly those who are disgruntled. In fact, I don't know if the son really has much of a case here, but nonetheless, why leave the door open so that it will be challenged? The son could challenge the trust. That doesn't mean he's going to succeed. Now, the perfect time to make provisions for pets is when you're drafting a will or a trust and planning the disposition of your estate. In the eyes of the law, pets are regarded as personal property, tangible personal property, unlike human beings, which are not considered property. But they still enjoy certain privileges beyond those of, let's say, your jewelry or your antique collection or your dining room table. So they do have a special status as personal property. A person's going to have to arrange to have a trusted friend or family member care for a beloved animal. And that's really the meaning behind pet trusts. It's to provide sufficient assets to incentivize somebody to take good care of your pets if something happens to you. Nothing firms up the commitment uh, any more than tying it to money in the form of a trust. So trusts, while they may be questioned and sometimes can be assailed, particularly if the beneficiaries can show that the person who created the trust lacked capacity, lacked the inability to manage or understand his or her financial affairs, and therefore was incompetent when they set up the trust, which is a hard standard to prove. Unless they can prove that, the trust is likely to be upheld by most courts, at least in my opinion. A trust can specify how many times the animal has to be fed or groomed or walked or taken to the veterinarian. And more typically, the pet trustee is given freedom to make those decisions, which makes sense because if you make it too restrictive, then the pet trustee may not want to serve as the pet trustee for fear of a lawsuit by somebody on behalf of the pet or enforcing the pet's rights. The trust would normally terminate when the animal or animals die. And the benefactor, the person who sets up the trust, can specify where the remaining money is going to go after the pet's death. Logically, it would be the person's natural heirs, family members or other folks, or even charity such as the Humane Society or the local animal shelter. Pet trusts make a lot of sense, but watch out for those crazy pet trusts that we're reading about in the news, aka the Posners or the Helmsleys, which have set aside enormous amounts of money for their beloved pets, probably unnecessarily. I'm Wayne Zell, and you're listening to Blueprint for Wealth. And right after these messages, you will hear our special guest, and be sure to read my column entitled Blueprint for Wealth, Every month, the first Friday of every month in the Washington Business Journal.
Stay tuned. We'll be back with our special guest right after these messages. <laughs> 